Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall, and you can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Scavendish. You like this show? This one in your ear holes right now. Uh, you can rate it. You can review it. You can subscribe to it. But most of all, just tell somebody that you love they should be listening to Lamestream Sports. Paul Feinbaum is our guest today on the show. There will be a couple of college football questions about Kirby Smart and Nick Saban. Um, Paul, but, but did you do did you, did you do the caller voice as you're uh, asking these questions? <laughs> yes, I tried to impersonate Legend Jim and Phyllis the entire time <laughs> we chatted, which I'm sure made him very happy, considering he does <laughs> he does that four hours a day listening to those folks, those wonderful and amazing folks that make his show one of the most successful radio shows in the history of radio. Uh, however, it is extremely different than every other terrestrial radio show that you listen to, and so we talked a lot about. The evolution of his product when he figured out that it like the formula for the show itself. Again, we did talk a little college football, Kirby Smart, Nick Saban, uh, some other things about the the league itself. He certainly knows Nick Saban extremely well, but um, a lot about sort of the evolution of the show, how it launched nationally, how they brought in a national audience and how they, of course, uh, moved onto the SEC network and satellite radio as well and how different it is from regular radio. So a lot of fun stuff with Paul Feinbaum. Uh, a little bit later on, of course, uh, I'll talk a little bit more about what it's like to host that show uh, and what it, why exactly it is my favorite product that I've ever executed outside of this here podcast, Steve. This podcast is number one, Paul Feinbaum show number two on my list. Exe- you keep set, you keep talking about like executing products like you're like some widget master or something. And then I'm going to ask you some questions at the end here. Uh, we're going to really send people off into the weekend on a high note with like what the hell is happening in the mayoral race like we're not going to talk politics but i want to talk communications i want to take talk messaging i want to talk forums i want to talk trying trying to gather information as a nashville voter so we're going to do a little bit of that later on um of course lamestream sports is brought to you by jaspers always brought to you by the good folks at jaspers there are many of you that are going to hear this sentence and say oh shit this weekend is mother's day Everybody got it? Everybody remember it? No no excuses. Rule number 76. No excuses. Play like a champion. Bought my present two weeks ago because, <laughs> because I was not going to be late with Mother's Day again. Um, all right. So what's fascinating about Mother's Day as a father is I've got to get like five different gifts. There needs to be a gift from one daughter, a gift from another daughter, a gift from me to my wife, a gift from me to my mother. Got a lot of moms I got to deal with. And you know a does, great way... Does- does the dog give gifts in your in in your? No, uh... no, he doesn't. And you stepped all over my buildup. Okay. If if you need you to start find over? no shit shush. If you need to start, <laughs> if you need to find some things to supplement a gift, and and you want to like you know just swing on by the grab and go market, grab some cool trinkets from some Nashville based companies. The grab and go market at Jasper's is a, is a perfect place to do it. Lunch for you and your mother or your spouse. At Jasper's is a lovely, perfect way to sort of supplement Mother's Day gift giving. So Jasper's is a not only the next evolution of the sports bar with free parking and an elevated sports menu with a you know a game room that's free. I don't know if mom loves that, but maybe she does. Perfect place to get some little added bonuses like the stocking stuffers of Mother's Day. So go to Jasper's, everybody. Okay. All right. The next evolution of the mom bar. Sure. <laughs> we're going to workshop that one, Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Speaking of messaging, we're going to workshop that one a little bit. Okay. Um, all right. A little shorter interview today. 
But Feinbaum is great. Paul has incredible insight and has been incredibly successful and very self-aware as well. So here's my conversation with the great Paul Feinbaum. Paul, good to have you on the show, man. How are you, sir? Uh, we're doing, I'm doing great, Brayden. It's such a pleasure to be on. Thank you. Uh, I want to start. We'll talk a little football. We'll talk a little radio. We'll talk some some media today. But I wanted to ask you first, just in general, this time of year, I cannot remember a time in which all 14 SEC fan bases were fairly happy. Um, that gives me pause for concern uh, this season. But <laughs> can you can you remember a time in which everybody was was this optimistic heading into a football season? It is it is weird uh, because you know sometimes you, you you have fan bases that are spiraling. Probably the the one I might put the most alarm on would be Florida, uh, but but you could say that any 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 year uh, in the last five or six. So uh, I think fan, Florida fans, to, to to their credit, are trying to be upbeat at least versus being despondent. I, you know, Napier obviously is a, we, we know his backstory. He has tried to replicate what Saban is, has done over his career. Mel Tucker, we, we know the list. It's very long. Um, and, and some places very distinguished. What, 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 what is it about Kirby smart that has allowed him to replicate the Nick Saban thing? Like what, why is he doing it where others have not been able to? I think in some ways, because uh, he, he is Nick Saban jr. Nick Saban 2.0, whatever, whatever tired cliche you would like to use um, Kirby smart 2.0. I, I just think that he, 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 he understands the Saban system so well, he has studied it so well uh, he's mastered it. And you, you know, it's a cliche that you hear every day when you talk to uh, somebody covering the sec, that what Nick Saban had at Alabama is now over at Georgia. Well, and I think I, I'm curious what you think, how and why, Saban will eventually walk away because it feels like the thing that drives him is sort of like that meeting by meeting perfection, like minute to minute of his day. I am going to be perfect at this, whatever I'm doing right now, I'm going to be perfect at it. And I, I think, I don't know if it's his own standards that will kind of push him away from the game, just family, maybe winning another champion. I don't know what, what, how and why do you think Nick Saban ends up eventually retiring? Uh, I think it will come down to not winning. Um, I don't. He's got a. He's got everything in his DNA that that can handle every available issue except being second. He that that's not that's not him. Uh, he hates it. And I why I mean I've been there from the beginning, and I, I even covered him some at LSU. So I, you look for any little sign. Uh, is he changing? And uh, the one thing that I'll, I'll say that uh, I don't even think it's come out yet, but it's it's going to come out this week. Uh, is that he's out of the country. Uh, and I can never remember a time during Nick Saban's tenure at Alabama where he's ever done anything uh, other than you know, maybe be gone for a weekend. Uh, I am told uh, that he and his family are in Italy for a 10 to 14 day trip. And the only reason I even know that is that we're, we cover the, uh, the golf tournament every year in, in Birmingham, the region tradition. And he is not going to be there. So Wednesday, I don't know what day this comes out, um, but Wednesday of this week, it, it, it's going to get out that he's, that something is terribly wrong in Tideland <laughs> that Nick Saban is missing in action. And I don't know what people are going to draw into that. Maybe maybe uh, his acolytes will say he's, he's over in Italy looking for a quarterback. Um, <laughs> but not, back to your original question, uh, Brayden, I – I, I I I think he loves it. I think he he loves the grind, and I think right now he's 
probably trying to convince himself that we're the underdog and we're going to get back on top. But if he fails to do that, then I think he's got issues, not us, but him. I, I can already see the uh, the headline like uh, Nick Saban overly confident in team in 2023 question mark. That's uh, why he's that's why he's traveling. I mean, can you imagine? I mean, somebody snapped a picture of Saban like you know with a piece of pizza, uh, and behind him is a leaning tower of pizza. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Uh, and, and maybe I'm all wrong about that. Maybe he changed his mind for the last minute and is really on a recruiting mission. But that's what <laughs> I was told. So I'll I'll stick with it. Uh, nice. A nice glass of cab in his hand. Uh, Miss Terry's yeah. hanging out there. It's going to be good. Um, so I think there's a there's obviously this all this change that's happening in, in college football. We're you know, we, we got expansion. We got playoff. We got NIL. We got portal. I think it's all going to kind of level set. Eventually, we're all going to kind of get used to the new norm. But then we've got a round of renegotiations of media rights for every conference coming up in the 2030s, 2031, 2032, whenever, you know, you think that number might be the Big Ten's going to come up. The SEC's got a chance to to come up as well. There There is a concern or at least some whispering that the, the next coalition in college football is going to be around the biggest brands, the biggest fan bases, and not necessarily around geography or conferences even. Do, do you have any concern that there are some SEC programs that if this thing turns into a 40 or 45 team breakaway, that all of a sudden it's not SEC Big Ten, that it's biggest brands in college football versus the ones that do not draw from a TV rating standpoint? I think you have to be, uh, and you know, not to you know, not to go back to, uh, you know, Great, great quotes from history, but survival of the fittest does describe the SEC. And and I think if you're at the bottom, uh, this is going to affect you. I, I think it already is. Um, I think there are other leagues in worse shape, uh, but, you know, teams in other leagues that are in 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 worse shape than 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 we are. But but ultimately, if if you're Missouri, for instance, uh, and you can't seem to get over the top. How are you able going? How are you able ever able going to be able to do that when when everyone else is getting better? So yeah, there, there's legitimate concerns. I should have just said yes to your question about three minutes ago. <laughs> well, and I should have asked an open ended one. Um, Kentucky's the one that is like concerned. Like that's the weird one for me because the basketball product is so valuable, so entrenched in the league. It's such an important product. We've seen what investment and patience can actually do for the football program with Mark Stoops. But is is Kentucky going to move the needle in a in a in a media deal from a football standpoint? I don't know. Uh, the way I hear it, uh, I work at a television network. I don't have anything to do with the operation of it. Uh, basketball just doesn't matter very much. Yeah. Uh, and we've seen that now for 10, 12 years now. Remember when the Big 12 was uh, on the verge of going to the pack, 10, 12, 14, whatever it is. They were leaving Kansas home. I mean, you tell me. Kansas, Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, about the most valuable – basketball brands in the world and they didn't care uh I mean, yeah. every day you, you read another headline Braden, about the acc acc meeting complaints about financials okay well i, mean, I realize the acc is not as good in basketball as it has been but it's still pretty valuable and uh you hear the commissioner of the acc talking about football and so football drives everything right now I, i'd be i'd be curious um in terms of gambling I'm curious if you think that we are safer now. Obviously, we have the whole thing with the Alabama situation where in a matter of like less than five days, we go from flagging something in the, in Vegas to a bet placed in Ohio with a game in Louisiana and a coach in Alabama gets fired. Like it, I, I know that, that college football games are flagged by the same business in Vegas. They're managing and monitoring this stuff like in, in like computer AI warp speed. Are you less or more concerned as we get more and more legal gambling 
we know there's going to be opportunities for people to sort of, I don't know, you know, <laughs> fudge around the edges here. But aren't you more, don't you think it's safer that we've got oversight and regulation and that it's legal at this point in terms of the outcomes? It, it is safer, uh, but it's also more likely we will, we will see something again. Uh, I, I know we had scandals years ago in various places, but it's hard to believe uh, with money so readily available on college campuses. And, and Braden, you, you're on these campuses. I, I know when I was a student and when you were a student and, and, and at every level, students have always gambled. But now it's so easy to gamble. Uh, and and uh, it's also so easy to be affected by gambling. But you could maybe get away with it then. You can't. I mean, we saw in the Alabama baseball situation, you can't get away with it for five seconds. So uh, I think the safeguards are there. Um, all right. I want to ask you about you talked about being a college student, so I'm not going to ask about that. But but m maybe shortly thereafter, um, when you start working in radio and you kind of figure out what the Paul Feinbaum show is going to be. Uh, I'm not going to date, put the date on it, but, but I want to know what the aha moment was for you. In try, terms 30, of, try 30 years ago. <laughs> 30 years. I'd like to know, like we talked to a lot of football coaches and players where that, especially in the NFL, where they have that moment where they realize, okay, I, I've something clicked. I figured it out. I can play this game. I'm confident in my abilities. I'd like to know when you figured out the formula, like when was that moment where you figured out the formula that, that your product was going to be what it is today. Do you, do you have any idea when that moment was? It, it took a, it took a little while, but, but I, let me, I, I know a lot of people want to give me credit for whatever I've done in radio, but nobody has ever had an easier start in radio than me for this reason. Just think about this, right? I'm a sports writer who wrote a controversial column. They give me a radio show. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama. And what's this? This is, this is now, uh, I started radio in 89, 90, somewhere in that. What's the secret sauce to a great radio show? Conflict. What did I do? I pitted Alabama versus Auburn. I mean, I, I know that sounds like I'm, I'm denigrating myself and costing myself some great humanitarian award one day uh, <laughs> as I get old and, and, and maybe once, once finally get gray. But the point being, uh, I, I, tr I did the same thing in radio that I was doing as a newspaper columnist, and it worked. Uh, and I, and I, this was not... Alabama 2009. This was Alabama right. 1990. You you were uh, eight years, seven, eight years removed from Bear Bryant. Uh, you were 20 years uh, before Saban uh, or, or something or 18 years or 17 years before Saban. I mean, you had uh, you had coaches uh, like like Bill Curry and Mike Dubose uh, and Mike Price and Mike Shua, uh, who I, I got to feast off of. Uh, in, at Auburn, you you had Terry Bowden. I mean, yeah. Terry Bowden, uh, uh, Tommy Tuberville. I mean, I know he's a United States senator now, but still. Uh, so, I mean, I was able to to pit the – and there was scandal after scandal. Auburn got knocked uh, – got uh, way late in 93. Alabama in uh, 95. Alabama again in 2000 and – and two, I mean, we're not talking about slap on the wrist. We're talking about uh, what are the Alabama uh, NCAA sanctions? The the chairman of the committee on infractions looked into a camera and said, uh, "You you came within a whisker of being put out of business." I mean, we 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 considered the death penalty, and I, and you know who was there in Birmingham making uh, a, a reputation and a couple of a couple of bucks off of this? Me. 
<laughs> so was it so you said you kind of took your column and moved it into the to the radio sphere which I, I again I explain this to people all the time um if you disagree with the host that doesn't matter what matters is the host you you've got an opinion on the host which means right. the host has done his job um which is it, not necessarily the way you now execute the show it's not the way you know when I do regular ESPN radio on like a on like seven o'clock I've got to create the conflict we've got to create two yeah. sides you know, do the whole science of the medium. How has the science of the medium changed as you sort of migrated from not just Birmingham, but into a regional show and then into a national product? You've gone now into television. How have you, it's sort of a hybrid between podcast and radio. It's not full on radio. How, how have you seen your show evolve over those 30 years? It, it, it's evolved to a degree because of the forum has gotten bigger, but but essentially, Braden, the show is the same. And when I, I I took this job ten years ago, and I knew what they were saying about me behind my back. I mean, this guy, you know, he's got no television experience. He's got a local yokel radio show. I mean, I, I mean, and the first day, I now know because uh, you know people are a little more honest after you've been a while. And they, <laughs> they were saying in the back room, this guy's never going to make it. Uh, he doesn't understand television. And what I mean by that is the traditional television. Hey, welcome in. Uh, you know, I, I mean, you're like. In the first 15 seconds, you feel like you just went through a, a car wash on, on speed. It, that's not me. Uh, we develop. I, I think that the show is now. You'll hear people complain. The show's not as good as it used to. Of course not, because uh, we're we're on a conference network where we we do support and cater to. Uh, you've done the show a number, number of times, hosted it, and been a guest. We we our job is to is to help celebrate uh, the 14 member institutions and and. And yeah, to talk about what's happened, but not to just focus uh, ad nauseum on on on, on what, whatever has gone wrong. Although we we do, so it's it's different from that standpoint. But to me, the callers are still the star. The, the show, the, the star. There are no other shows like that because ESPN Radio is not going to allow that. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fox Radio is not going to allow that. Uh, you, you're not you're not going to get a, a big deal on a podcast by by letting. Uh, you know, some former uh, you know, f former guy named Legend who who went to jail uh, for murder, uh, you know, be the star of your show. You're, you're not going to be the star. I'll let a guy named Jim from Tuscaloosa who has just, you know, uh, who's, who's your, 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 your arch enemy. If you, and by the way, if you if you ever end up dead, I mean, he's he's we're going to round him up. <laughs> I'm going to send this clip to my wife before before it gets published. Um <laughs> How did you like now you have what I think what I find super interesting is that now you have all these other people listening, though, because the SEC network is so national. You've got it on satellite radio. It's been distributed. And so you've got like Ohio State fans involved, USC fans involved. How have you like you just kind of talked about the 14 team focus and it's certainly an SEC product, a regional product. How have you kind of do, do you think about how to bring in the audience? Is it about now conflict between the South and the rest of the country? Like, how, how does that work? Well, we went on uh, we went on a satellite radio in 2010. I, I thought they were joking when they called uh, my producer, Pat Smith, and said, hey, we want to put your show on the College Sports Network. I mean, I, I could not imagine it. But what did we do quickly? I, I, we started getting calls. Uh, and back then, that was that was that was when Sirius XM was it was it was it was it wasn't infant in its infancy, but it was it's a little different than today with pod, podcasting had not occurred yet. Uh, we actually we started getting calls from. Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State. We had the Sandusky case right after that. And we began pitting the callers against them. Uh, and the SEC was on a run back then and still on that run. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was us against the world. And not much has really changed. Uh, 
we love nothing better than uh, a good North versus South food fight on the Feinbaum show. <laughs> um, can you, along those lines, and I think Fowler did this rant, I want to say when he was still hosting game day, it was like right after Mississippi and Mississippi State were like number one in the first playoff rankings. And and there's this, this, this constant ESPN SEC bias thing that the committee's trying to put as many SEC teams in. I try to remind people that there are more people in Chicago in one city than there are in like most of the SEC states. When it comes to like the the the, the conspiracy theory, wouldn't it make more sense for ESPN to want? And I'm not trying to to do the two ESPN employee thing here. That's not what I'm trying to do. But like, don't people need to understand that USC, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Penn State, like they would make more money for the network than if Ole Miss and Mississippi State got into the playoff? Uh, I don't know why people don't understand that. <laughs> first of all, it, it's it's no longer really a debate. Uh, the SEC and the ESPN are partners. Uh, you know, Starting in 24, nothing's going to change that. But ESPN is a is an international product. And yeah, uh, if you said to ESPN, uh, you know, what's the best possible game you can get? I, I would say... Uh, Alabama, Ohio State would be on their their wish list. Southern Cal in Ohio State, Notre Dame in anyone. Uh, but you, you don't you don't want the game you don't want, and we've had what three or four times already is Alabama Clemson. I mean that is you, you can't get any worse uh, in terms of national reputation. Uh, Alabama, Georgia is, uh, is emerging a little bit, but it's it's not exciting people. And in, in so, I mean, we, I, we were out there, what, a couple of months ago uh, to the uh, national championship game. I I I never saw anyone in, in uh, L.A. that knew the game was going on. I mean, nobody. Uh, nobody cared about Georgia and TCU. And quite frankly, I was covering the game and I didn't much care. Well, I think it's interesting. Um, you you, talk, you mentioned the Clemson, although Alabama Clemson played probably two of the best national championship yeah, games absolutely. you know we've we've ever we've ever seen. So, um, all right. Well, then I guess uh, along those lines, uh, can anyone in college football on the schedule in the West in the country beat Georgia this year? Who, who's the best uh, bet on on paper in your mind? Yeah, I, I would say Ohio State looks. Uh, you know, how many years in a row have I said that? But uh, almost did it I, last I did year. One of these years, I mean, I was looking at, don't ask me why I was doing this. Uh, I feel like I was I was doing something terrible, but I was looking at a mock draft today for 24, and I counted seven, maybe eight Ohio State players in the top 32. Uh, I mean, there were three Alabama players in the top 15, three or four, uh, two or three, four Georgia players, a couple of Southern Cal players. But, I mean, Ohio State just looks like they've got one of their better talented teams now the, the quarterback is, is an issue uh but beyond that i, I think ohio state is uh, southern cal i think i think they are threats uh georgia is going to be the favorite why i believe that something's going to happen to georgia at the last second whether it's in the playoffs probably in the either in the it has to it's going to have to be in the playoffs uh they i don't see them losing in the regular season so uh yeah i mean it We've watched this too many times. It, it's it's virtually impossible to win three straight. I know that I, I'll let you go here. You've been very gracious with your time. I'm, I know there's a lot of changes coming. I'm a huge fan of getting rid of divisions. I'm a huge fan of the three and six scheduling model that I assume is soon to be announced. Uh, I love I like expansion because it adds value to the middle class in college football throughout the course of the regular season. Um, better games is better for everybody. TV partners, fans, ticket sales, uh, local economies. Uh, etc. But I, I do think you look at where this whole thing is going and you kind of just go, all right, what what exactly does it all look like in, in the future? And um, it, it, wh where where's the next step of 
of, of change that's coming and, and what do fans need to be aware of? I still think what we, we thought we were seeing last July is going to happen eventually. What is that? That's uh, that's a merging of the super conferences. Uh, at some point, the, the Pac-12 with all these side deals they're working on, I mean, I, I don't see that being sustainable. I think the ACC is in a dangerous position where they are uh, without without adding some value to the, the product. So I, I, th- I think we could still see that. I th- it, it, knowing how slowly college football works, uh, it, it may be more than, it may be five to 10 years away because yeah. I mean, it takes, it takes these people a long time because they have to meet it. They have to go out to the, uh, to some <laughs> resort in California and then a resort in Ohio, in, uh, in Idaho, and then make sure that they uh, talk about it again in, in Colorado Springs before they go uh, to Hilton Head, uh, before they decide maybe let's do it again next year. So I, I, these are not, these are, in, uh, and, and the television deals for 26 haven't even gone into play yet for the playoffs. Right. But I, I think we'll get there. Uh, I'll leave it to you. I don't think I'll be worried about it too much. Uh, as I'm rocking my chair uh, in my retirement home, but I'll be I'll be uh, calling Braden to find know. out what what the latest is. You'll still be you'll still be taking calls, dude. Um, uh, here's my my last one, and I'll let you go. I promise on this one. How can fans get the committee to to take the games away from the Bulls? How can we? I'm I'm fine with the semifinal. I'm fine with the final, whatever. But is there any possible way that fa- is there a phone number? Is there a representative we can call? How do we get fans? Do not want neutral site games for the semi for the quarterfinals. You always hear how do we get rid of that? Uh, people in politics talk about certain political action groups, whether it's uh, it's the NRA, whether it's it's this group. No, no group in all of uh, mankind has a better lobby than the bowl group, and I don't know how they do it either because I've. Been, I've I was uh, I spoke a couple of years ago at the bowl meeting, and I mean, you th- it looked didn't look like any of these guys uh, you know had a clue. But the, these long relationships, for whatever reason, right? I don't know why, because they don't—they're not important to me. Uh, but they are—they're they're not only important to the to the people that run college athletics, but they seem to be important to the people at the television networks. Uh, because when ESPN uh, looks at the the Rose Bowl, uh, I mean, I've seen less less uh, honor and respect paid to the Vatican before than I have the Rose Bowl. <laughs> Paul Feinbaum, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate your time. Uh, I'll let you get get to the show, my man. Braden, it was my pleasure. See you soon. That was Paul Feinbaum of I don't know what to call it. ESPN, SEC Network, Satellite Radio, ESPN Radio, uh, just basically everywhere. He's he's syndicated all across the Southeast and a lot of other places as well. I often I often view Feinbaum as like this sort of like presence just sort of hanging over the state of alabama like if you were to yeah, yes. like if you were to like look at like noah weather radar you would just see fine bomb somewhere i guess in birmingham yes exactly uh fine bomb severe weather is a twitter account that's down there in birmingham um so we'll get to sort of what it's like to execute that product as well as some messaging and how to gather information about the current state of the mayoral race here in nashville uh however remind everybody again Mother's Day is this weekend. If you are listening to this on Friday, you are avid listeners. We love you. I'm trying to help you. Mother's Day is this weekend. You have no excuses. Don't forget. Go to Jasper's and pick yourself up a little stocking stuffer if that's a thing on Mother's Day. You got all kinds of cool little gifts in the gift shop, gift cards, great place for lunch. It is a great place to take your mother or spouse as a surprise. Won't break the bank. 
but it'll be very, very delicious and yummy and is a perfect way to supplement whatever plans you already have for your mother, because I'm assuming none of you have forgotten that this weekend is Mother's Day. Does your mom uh, or, or your wife love like a, like a big lunch out on a special day or are they kind of like a it, nah, I'd rather be home with the kids kind of thing? Oh, this is so this is a great question. So this is what the, the prop there was a value proposition for my wife this year. And I'm so proud of her for doing this. So we are going to kneel. Here's my here's how about this? My recommendation and my sports menu and my Mother's Day all wrapped into one ad here. <laughs> so <laughs> so Neil Brennan, stand-up comedian who was the co-creator and co-producer of the Chappelle show, one of the most brilliant minds I've ever seen, but has dealt with a lot of personal demons, and that's why he doesn't do a lot of stand-up. Well, he's coming out of his his sort of personal growth phase. He's done two stand-ups on Netflix. He is in town this weekend at Zany's. And my wife and a couple of uh, another couple of ours wanted to go for Mother's Day as part of like the gift. So first of all, my wife's just awesome. So we we're gonna go to Neil Brennan on uh, Saturday night at Zany's. He is spectacular. If you've not seen Blocks on Netflix, please go watch it. Please, it is absolutely hilarious. And watch the let's test out the Second Amendment theory <laughs> segment, which is fantastic. But so I asked my wife because we got to get a babysitter for the kids, which is like a hundred plus dollars these days, which is insane for two kids. For like six hours, so, but she but she, but we've got the tradition on Mother's Day breakfast in bed, which Jasper's cannot provide. Sadly, they have limits. Jasper's cannot allow you to bring your bed into the restaurant and serve you at like seven thirty a.m. It's not it's not allowed. <laughs> what if you what if you rolled a bed into like the a free parking? I mean, there are my daughter's my six year old's obsessed with RVs, so I guess you could do that in theory. <laughs> um, so I, I is I, the parking text- still free if you take up like five slots? Overnight? I don't know. Uh, we don't know. We're not responsible for that. Go to Jasper's. So I asked my wife, I said, here's the value prop, sweetie. Do you want your two children to make you breakfast in bed on Sunday morning? Or do you want to save $120 on a sitter and have them stay at my parents' house? And then you get a quiet morning on Sunday morning. So it's like, it's breakfast in bed or like $100. How much is that breakfast in bed worth to you? And I asked her the question. And she looks at me and she goes, they can give me breakfast in bed on Saturday. And I said, thank you, honey. That's why I married you. <laughs> She's very nostalgic. She loves her kids. She loves being a mom, all this great stuff. But she made the right choice. She, she saved did, that $100. She made, she made the right call. <laughs> Not worth it. Not worth it. You know what's worth it? Jaspers. Go to Jaspers. Always uh, go to Jaspers. Okay. We'll talk, we'll talk uh, mayoral race here so- uh, in just a minute. I want to talk about the fine bomb thing though with you here for a second because you ended up doing you you've done fine bomb as a fill in here on a fairly regular basis, including this week. What's that like to kind of just like immerse yourself in that universe of callers, and 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 do they do they welcome outsiders or is Mm. it is, (laughs) is it sort of like let's see what the let's see if the new kid can take it kind of thing. I very much so. Uh, it's a little bit of everything. Like Jim in Tuscaloosa, per, per, like this is totally true. Jim in Tuscaloosa hates me. Absolutely hates me. He, really? He's, yes. He's like, you talk too much. I'm like, it's a radio show, dude. You know, which in theory, in real life, I do talk too much. But when you're on the air, sort of part of the job. And, and so he he absolutely hates me. And then that, and what happens then is when Jim in Tuscaloosa hates you, that then turn like legend will call in and defend me constantly. Legend. So what happens is, is I, I I turn into like this mini character where Jim hates me, but that's why Legend likes me. <laughs> and do, so, do are any of them aware of your status as a University of Tennessee graduate? 
I mentioned it actually yesterday on the show, but Paul's a Tennessee grad, so yeah. But I mean, Paul's been in that world for he's been hiding it now. I I would argue though for twenty years that most people don't know where I'm where I graduated. Like I that, I I take a lot of pride in sort of being pretty objective about Tennessee, and I would argue I'm probably harder on Tennessee than most Tennessee fans or Tennessee alumni in the media. I think there's a lot of homers in Tennessee media that do it for the clicks, and I have been pretty pretty much opposite of that most of my career. I think it, there, there's a certain there's a there's a way I use my alumni status like to sort of solidify certain things when I talk about taking my six year old to Neyland for her first game this year. That sort of gives you that little I, I give I give people a little like dose of like hey, hey I'm one of you you know what I mean but I try to keep it as objective as possible. When when you go into when you go into that world and and I and I get it it's not your show you're never going to you're never going to be kind of brash sort of when you're kind of taking the taking the reins there but when you when you when you drop into that world and it and it, it folks if you guys have never listened to fine bomb's show <laughs> please please tune in sometime it is i i mean you're gonna get a lot of, you're gonna get a lot of alabama bullshit uh but my god the 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 callers you cannot parody some of the callers at all i mean they're no. beyond parody no. It's an amazing, it's an amazing sort of thing. And it's this, and it's this world unto itself. And and that world unto itself has created something that is much different than, than kind of your traditional radio show. Yes. It's funny you asked me that. Cause like my, my wife's uncle will hear it and be like, man, what was that like? Or friends are like, oh, you're doing fine. What was that? What man, that's gotta be tough. Everyone kind of assumes that it's like tough to deal with the callers. And even though. These people like so here, here's the thing, like and I say these people lovingly because they are my people like I have dealt with college football fans, diehard college football fans for my entire career. So we they're my people, frankly, like these 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 lunatic redneck SEC football fans are my people. And and I'd like to believe that I can speak to them in a certain way. Now, I wish and I think I've said to you to this to you long, many years ago, I think sports fans are the best fact checkers in the world. And these Alabama people, they they may not be able to get a 10 on the ACT, but my God, they know the height and weight of the backup linebacker. Can we clip and, this? <laughs> and, they, and, they are going, and they are going to correct you. If you get the, the, the name of the quarterback wrong on the wrong year from 2007, no, that was, that was, that was Glenn Coffey. That was not TJ Yeldon. Like, they will get it right so fast. And I, I wish they could take those superpowers and apply them to other things in their life, but that's neither here nor there. I, they're my people, man. I love talking to them. It is it is the difference in executing Feinbaum and a regular radio show is I could spend an entire segment on Wednesday talking about Mike Bobo's influence on Georgia. I could spend eight minutes on that, and I probably wouldn't lose much of my audience. If I spent eight minutes on Mike Bobo on any other ESPN radio show that I've ever done in my life, I would not be asked back again. And it's about picking the right topic to get people interested, but it has to be within the college football world. And frankly, as Paul just said, it kind of has to be within the SEC framed as an SEC versus the rest of the world kind of conversation. So my topic on Wednesday, Steve, was who can beat Georgia, make the case for what team in the country can beat Georgia. And that's how I get everyone calling in with an opinion on why USC can or can't do it, why LSU can or can't do it, why Ohio State can or can't do it. And it's about it's still about picking the right topic that creates a little bit of debate, but it's way deeper in the weeds, way more podcast, way more satellite radio. It is this hybrid that is that is 
honestly, it is by far my favorite radio to execute, which is just conversational, deep in the weeds on a single topic. I don't have to set up audio and pay off the tees. They don't even have billboards. Like, and, and what a billboard is, for those that don't know, if you listen to ESPN Radio, you're going to hear me say presented by Progressive Insurance about 50 times an hour. And on, on Paul's show, not one. Not one mention of a single sponsor the entire four hours. I don't have to tease anything. I don't have to set up audio. It's a totally different medium, a totally different science. And it's why I love, love, love doing it. Why do you think that that ecosystem exists and like that show and and the the change i mean it it is a it is a different format we we talk a lot about kind of the science of radio why do you think that it works and is it transferable to to transferable to what is it transferable is it transferable to another show is it transferable to another market I think the so somebody very, very high up in radio told me a few years ago that the, the sign that a show has sort of evolved past just being sort of like successful, but into like this other stratosphere of of good is when the, the human beings become the, the people on the show, the characters on the show become greater than the, the, the content that you cover. Right. Like Howard Stern's life is more important than any story he's talking about it, that's happening in the world. Like, it's about the people on the show. Like, he creates the characters. Those callers are the show for Paul Feinbaum. Like, sure, Paul has a guest on, and they talk about gambling in Iowa. And sure, they have a guest on and talk about the new offensive coordinator at Missouri. And, like, they do that. But then in between, it is the reason people are listening is the characters that have been created on the show. And that is sort of the the sign that it's transcended the regular rules of radio, if that makes sense. Um, there's a couple other shows that, that, that do this. In, in, like, McAfee's great at this. McAfee yeah. has McAfee. They're not on radio, but like McAfee's audience is tuned in because of the characters. Dan Patrick's like, like this. Dan Patrick, like Dan Patrick created the Danettes like that. That's the Danettes were when Todd Fritz is singing and that's becomes a bit on the show. Like you're listening for the producer to be singing, not because they're talking about like who won game seven last night. You know, like it's <laughs> it's 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 the one thing that transcends the rules of radio. Everyone else is sort of governed by the rules of, of radio to to be fair. Now I will say, as Paul explained, like, and I was at Sirius XM when they said we were going to have Feinbaum on the show. And I was like, how is that going to play? And Paul talked about it. Like everyone thought we were crazy for doing this, like making it more regional, but they figured out how to make it. It's still a college football show. That's sort of a podcast with a great communal audience. Have you heard those phrases before for me? And, and then they turned it into like a South versus the rest of college football kind of thing. And it's worked. It's it's worked very well. It's not in every market. It's not in New York. They're not on like, you know, there's a lot of stations in the Southeast in which Feinbaum show preempts local programming. And that is a very, that's a very specific slot for him to be in. Wow. Well, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm continually fascinated by the rise of Feinbaum. And uh, there's a, there, I, I want to read like the really great kind of biography a fine bomb that that gets it that gets into just just sort of like how the this whole world developed because it's it's just if it, like like I said folks if you haven't listened to it you need <laughs> to go spend go spend an hour block uh with fine bomb I, I forget where I forget, forget where they're on locally but I mean you can get them in you can get them I in so just, many different ways I'd put it on I'd put it on the SEC network and just watch it yep. you can re- you can record it it's up it's probably on YouTube too um I, I will say this I think it, and he and he's very open about this like he as he said I, I I didn't this was sort of an accident I just sort of stumbled into it I took my column and I turned it 
I turned my column about college football and about Alabama and Auburn, and I turned it into a radio show. And and I just sort of act. He's like, I didn't mean to become this successful. It just sort of happened. <laughs> so, <laughs> and and the the rise of of Feinbaum as a TV star is just as is I mean, yep. have you seen Feinbaum? I mean, he's does like this kind of like bald, nebbishy kind of kind of looking guy, and yet he's on. You know he's he's on SEC Network every afternoon. He is on the SEC Network shows um, throughout the season. It, it's just it's it's absolutely amazing kind you of know, this conversion of what a guy that looks like a newspaper columnist into a TV star. He, he's a newspaper columnist that also looks like an emaciated lead singer of an East Nashville band. Like <laughs> like he he probably weighs like 120 pounds. Like he is soaking, a very, soaking wet. He yeah. is a very and he's like five foot six. Like he is a small person in in all ways. And I feel I'm very different than that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so when I'm on set with him, uh, it's like, can we can we use different camera angles for me, please? Uh, than, than Paul. Uh, no, it's it's a blast. I love doing it. And thanks to Paul for, for jumping on. We do appreciate his. Time. How much so, how much product did you use? Uh, I was not on TV. I, they only let me do the radio only shows. <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm not flying. They're not flying me to Charlotte. You, you saw the news about uh, Disney laying off 7,000 people. They're yeah. not flying. They're not flying me to Charlotte, uh, uh, to do one show a week. So, uh, no, it's, oh, a, it's a blast. It's a blast. It's my favorite thing to do at ESPN for sure. Um, okay. So we've had now, I think this week we had the, uh, the news channel two, I think, right. Or news two had a, had so, a forum. So- yeah, WKRN had 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 their first mayoral forum. Okay, uh, so you, you've done Q and A's at Nashville Banner. If you want to read each long form Q and A, which is with each candidate, most candidates there on Nashville Banner. So we've got the Q and A's. The last major candidate goes up. Uh, it should be up by the time you're listening to the show right now. It's a, a long form uh, interview with Vivian Wilhoyt, uh, who's the assessor of deeds. Sure. Make sure you go read all of these things from the National Banner. I'm sort of trying to lay out the different ways with which we've had access to the the pool of candidates that is growing larger every day. So we've got a couple of forums. We've had a couple of business sort of events where business people can come in and talk to these guys and ask questions. Press is generally around all of these. Some are more active on social media than others. Some have, I mean, my question for you first and foremost is how useful have any of these things been i think the banner stuff is the most useful frankly and that i'm not shilling for you i just think i learned the most about these people but it also requires me to spend a lot of time with it to get to know these people that's not necessarily what everybody has in their back pocket right now so from a messaging communication strategy like where the hell are we in this race and and what should people know about what's going on we're we're less than 100 days out i mean i i mean i i could go look it up here but i mean i i think we're like 75 days from early voting starting i mean it's it is it is upon us uh and the thing that i think that differentiates this race is unlike 2019 where it was essentially carol swain was in there but carol swain was never going to win uh it was it was really a race between briley and race between briley and cooper it, it was that was a relatively short race cooper got in cooper got in kind of late but it was a very compact sort of race, but it only had a couple of people in it. It had it had the two of them. It had Swain and then the two of them in the runoff. The In 2015, you had a bunch of candidates that were in for a long time. And you, and, I, and I've said this in a couple of different places, the Megan Fox and Megan Fox, Megan Barry and David Fox kind of one of the sort of secrets of their success was that they built 
ground games to get their people to the polls. And they did it in different ways. Megan Barry built this kind of this really big kind of volunteer army. And uh, David Fox had a bunch of volunteers, but he also used paid canvassing in order to kind of get their people to the polls with so many people in the race now and so many people getting in late it's it's a much different dynamic and it's going to be really fascinating to see who is able to identify their voters and deliver them to the polls you know you're going to have i think going up to the to the very last minute voters that are on the fence about two or three different candidates and trying to make a decision between them as opposed to people getting locked into a to a particular candidate uh, and then those those campaigns turning them out to the polls and it's going to be a weird summer um <laughs> only two candidates have the money to be up on the air in terms of TV right now you've seen ads from Jim Gingrich and Matt Wilshire they're they're both running in fairly heavy rotation in kind of the usual spots that you would see uh that you would see TV ads, so around a lot of local news, a lot of around a lot of kind of like high eyeball uh, syndicated programming. Like like if you watch Wheel of Fortune, you're gonna oh, you're God. gonna see a uh, that's the people, a, the, yeah. and those are the people I want deciding our mayoral races. The people hey, look, that watch Wheel of Fortune. No, no, look, hang God, on. Who else look, got the, I am a Wheel of Fortune watcher. Shut the fuck up. Sure, boomer. Uh, listen, <laughs> what? Who else has the money to compete with those two long term between now and over a hundred days? Who else, so, who, who else is going to have the money? So so there's 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 sort of two dynamics here. One is that like everybody is chasing the same dollars. And so it's really hard to fundraise right now. Uh, you know, you've talked to the people that are that are raising money for these campaigns. They'll tell you e- even even with some donors, some sort of max donors and a max donor is somebody who gives the the, the maximum of eighteen hundred dollars. Some max do- uh, donors kind of spreading their donations around to multiple campaigns there is it, it, there's only so many dollars uh and then you couple that with they don't have you know some of these people are still building operations i mean heidi campbell and vivian wilhoyt got into this race less than you know less than a month ago they've just now hired staff it, typically it takes 60 to 90 days to to spin up a full campaign and so they're having to do these like really, really fast. They're also trying to figure out what their messages are. And that's what, to me, that's why the WKRN debate was so interesting was because you could still see the candidates work. I mean, some of them working out what their message was on stage it, at, as it was, as they were answering questions. Isn't it far? I mean, I'm not picking on Jim Gingrich here, but there was, I think there was a question where like, he just doesn't have an answers and, and, isn't it too late in the process to have to be working out your messaging strategy i thought gingrich was really interesting because gingrich is obviously a very smart guy uh he's he's obviously kind of done the work on what he wants his message to be gingrich has also never done this before and so it doesn't matter what happens Uh, i mean doesn't matter that we have to do this right now (laughs) right right all right, let the, me ask you. Can I ask he, you? He he is literally he's literally like formulating those responses, and so you see it in sort of gaps yeah. in what he in, in like gaps in the pauses as he's thinking because he's you could just literally see the computer working <laughs> and him processing. Whereas somebody like uh, like Matt Wilshire or Freddie O'Connell, Freddie O'Connell, I th- t- tell me if I'm wrong. Does Freddie O'Connell not have the best, most coherent, and most fully formed 
messaging strategy, whether you like his opinions or his policies or not. And that's not what I'm arguing. I'm off. I'm arguing communications. Does he not have the most fully formed and fully thought out and mature messaging strategy of anybody right now? I think I think he and Wilshire do. And that is a function of both of them being in the race since last September and working some of this stuff out. Yeah. And so they're not having to kind of like work it out in real time. I mean, Heidi Campbell. So, so you, so you think about like, there's all these people trying to raise money. The, the amount that they need to raise is different for different people. Heidi Campbell does not have to raise as much money as other candidates because it, she, she gets a discount on name ID alone because she was, right. she was, in the fifth district congressional race last year against Andy Ogle. So a lot of people are really kind of familiar with who she is. And and that, and that plays out, like for instance, in there was a poll that came out this week by uh, like, poll, a, like a poll. poll. We're, we're going to use poll loosely in this yeah. conversation. Um, I mean, it was a poll, uh, you, you know, you can, you can kind of, <laughs> the methodology may be, we just did a poll on who has the best messaging strategy, two to zero, Freddie O'Connell. <laughs> there we go. You can, <laughs> The, the the poll that came out showed that she had about twenty two percent. Jeff Yarbrough had about seven seventeen, and about and Freddie O'Connell had about sixteen percent. All that is right now is a function of name ID. That's all it is, um, because because none of those candidates have put significant kind of resources into defining who they are and kind of exposing themselves to kind of the the electorate at large. So let me, let me, so also I think there's maybe some questions about the sample size there perhaps as well. But let me ask you this: Is there a poll? somewhere in this city that has done a wide enough pass of of davidson county voters with like the most sort of objective do we have uh, is there an objective vision of where the race actually is right now do you have you seen one of those no and it and it and we may not see one of those until like a week or two before election day and and on uh, here's what here's what I here's what I'm gonna tell you. My guess is that on election day, we are going to have almost no idea who the top two candidates are going to be. <laughs> We're gonna. I mean, th- th- this would be a good time for me to um, drop a little Easter egg here at the back of the pod, Steve. Really, we we may have some stuff coming for you folks that care about this kind of thing. So how about that? That's that's a good Easter egg. We'll just leave it right. We'll just leave it right like that. Um, we may we may have no idea who who the top three or four candidates are. My guess is that the field is going to separate somewhat as Gingrich and Wilshire's uh, ad deployment kind of really ramps up. Uh, you know, th- they both have they both have already raised seven figures. You know, Gingrich loaned himself most of that. Uh, Wilshire's raised most of that. And and, uh, and I guess what I would say is you're going to be inundated with people trying to tell you about the mayor's race whether it is (laughs) well yeah well whether we're gonna have tv you're not uh, because digital is such a much more cost-effective way to reach people you're gonna see most of the campaigns if you spend any time on facebook you're about to get flooded with uh with those ads maybe on instagram as well you're gonna be if you have given your email to any campaign you are going to get an almost endless string of appeals for support and money. So this raises another fascinating question about studying the race, how it unfolds, how they spend and who votes. My question, outside of money being like one of the major questions, name ID. Again, we're not talking policy here about any of these different the differences in policy and where they stand on issues. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about comms and messaging and campaigning and strategy. 
And I think what's interesting here is what you just said about the digital purchase power, way more efficient. I think that should be the case for all political races across every state and every local and national election. It's got to be focused on digital. However, that targets a very different audience than the folks who are watching Wheel of Fortune. So my question is, how big of an electorate is the young, the quote unquote young vote in Nashville? And how big of an impact can that swing this? And frankly, those are also people that are not responding to polls. So you're not going to know exactly where that that 18 to 29 vote's going to go, even though they're the ones getting all the digital messaging. And we've got a few candidates that are appealing to people in a younger demographic. I find the young demographic fascinating this election as well. You have just described the scenario that is keeping about a dozen campaign managers <laughs> awake every single night. Stay Here's what I would say something else too. If there, there's about to be a billion candidate forums, basically every night between now and, and or when early voting starts, there, there's going to be these candidate forums. Some of these are going to be televised. Channel five is going to have a couple. Channel two just had one. I'm uh, Demetria and I are going to moderate two of them. The Phoenix club is doing one at Vanderbilt. And then, we're going to help moderate the Nashville scene, Nashville post and banner kind of co-sponsored one, uh, which is going to be at fat bottom brewery. The Phoenix club one is May 22nd. Uh, the, the scene one is in June. I'll get, I'll, I'll get a date and kind of drop it back on here. Uh, or I'll, I'll put, just put it on Twitter, go to a forum. If, if you, if you care about, you know, if, if you care about kind of who the next mayor is going to be, go see these people in person. Uh, it matters. You know, there's there's a chance to interact with uh, with with some of them at, at different forums. Uh, seeing people in person is much different than seeing them on TV, especially like work the line, in, people work the line. I mean, uh, there's a reason why millions of dollars go into like debate stages for for presidential contests and why they look like spaceships and whatever else. And you're going to see. You know the the stuff that happens on local television, and this is not a this is not a knock on the on the broadcast folks. Uh, you know the, they do. WKRN produced a, a perfectly fine forum. Bob Mueller did a really good job. The lighting, it, it, they're 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 setting up day of. They're they're they have different kind of seating challenges. You know when you put like eight or ten people on a stage, it becomes really really rough. Go see some of it's, these things in person. It's not, it is not a good product for television, and they yeah. did a fine. They did a fine job. But when you have this yeah. many candidates, when you have this many candidates, not it's not a good product for TV or or radio. Frankly, long form conversations on I don't know either independent local nonprofit reporting websites like nationalbanner.com or perhaps podcasts could also be a solid way to get to know candidates. If you want, if you want to, so. if you want an introduction to each candidate. I have now had conversations with every major candidate and and I say every major because we only <laughs> we're intentionally leaving some people out who have absolutely no chance of of, of being the next mayor. What's the number? Uh, what's the number of major in your in the banner's eyes? I think it's 8 to 9. Okay. I mean uh, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say this. I mean Stephanie Johnson was on stage the other night. She has no chance of winning. I mean, Natisha Brooks was on stage the other night. She has no chance of winning. She won. She had, she got 285 votes in the Republican primary, finished fifth in the Republican primary in in Davidson County uh, for the fifth district race. She's not going to be the next mayor. So the the they're doing it for the book deal, Steve. 
the the more that you the more that you put candidates that do not that have not demonstrated either countywide electability, the ability to raise a lot of money, the ability to kind of garner widespread support already, you are taking time away from serious candidates. Well, and and you also have to you have to find a lane that no one else is occupying and and then message that lane better than everybody else is messaging their lane. And every lane's already filled with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> so, every lane has like three cars. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's like Nashville traffic, which is a fitting way to end this conversation because whoever gets elected, fix our freaking traffic problem. Okay. Transit, transportation, do it. Housing, Se- do it. Segway. Uh, I have one quick recommendation. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm, ha- I'm halfway through. Uh, I'm, I'm doing the audiobook version. Uh, halfway through listening to Ben Smith's new book uh, called It's Called Traffic. It's about the digital. Uh, it's about the digital news revolution and crash here over the last 10 years. Ben Smith was the the editor of BuzzFeed News. He's now running Semaphore, uh, but it talks about the rise and fall of Gawker and BuzzFeed and Vice News uh, and kind of like and Vox and, and kind of these digital these digital publishing houses that relied on social media and social news uh, in order to in order to kind of spread. And it is it is a fascinating sort of insider look. Smith has a lot of experience, obviously, but he also did a lot of reporting around uh, around these sort of things. He's on the kind of the, the the podcast book book tour circuit right now, so you may have heard like interviews with him in a couple of different places. It is a fascinating book. Uh, I highly recommend it. Please go check it out. And and another reason why you should uh, support local independent media outlets. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. Just throwing that out there. NashvilleBanner.com. Um, NashvilleBanner.com. And um, yeah, other things. All right. Yeah. Uh, at S. Cavendish on Twitter, at Braden Gall, at 440 Sports. We do appreciate you guys for hanging out with us. Special thanks to Paul Feinbaum for giving us some time. Happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. Go to Jasper's as well. Thank you for listening. Have a great weekend, everybody. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network. <laughs>